CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday. Wednesday's edition of Jerry Man and Answer on this Christmas week. Boy, I'll tell you, this week's going awful fast. And so I just want to once again wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. And again, we're going to be around friends, family, and uh, what a great opportunity to be able to share Jesus with uh, our families while we can. You know, uh, work for the night's coming. And I, I know one of these days, I know it's hard to believe, but one of these days, the Lord's going to take us all home. And boy, that's going to be one grand, never-ending Christmas day. Uh, just imagine forever and ever to be with the Lord, to be about our Father's business, brand new body, one that doesn't hurt anymore. We're going to be healed. Oh, man, it's going to be great. Don't miss it for the world. There's nothing in this world that's greater than your eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Always remember that. Everything else is just just uh, 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 clowns calling to the side. Say, come over here, come over here. No, stay stay where your daddy wants you to be, and you're going to be blessed throughout all of eternity. You know, we set this uh, hour aside every weekday afternoon to just answer questions about the Bible, from the Bible, and to encourage you in your relationship with God. There's nothing more important than that. And when you're encouraged, you're built up, then you're going to encourage and build up others. And I, I think that's what's so important. So today, if you've got a question, you've been reading your Bible, come across something you don't understand, or just just um, trouble about something, hey, call us. That's why we're here for you. Uh, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today and just, uh, just settle in and let the Lord bless you. I mean, you know, uh, uh, put yourself in the place where uh, God will. Because the Bible does say what God will bless, what he won't bless. And so, you know, putting yourself where God wants you to be, so important. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker, comes on after to every man and answer, Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Hi and welcome. Hello, Mike. Good to be with you today. Looking forward to a great pre-Christmas show. Amen. It's always it's always a blessing to to do that, and and uh, look forward to um, your wisdom and answers. It's always a, a great time of blessing. And so, uh, again, that number eighty eight eighty eight ask CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program again. Again, eighty eight eighty eight ask. CSN. Real simple. Got some lines open, so you're sure to get on if you call right now. And um, Jeff, how are things in, in Texas? Christmas there at Turning Point Church. Well, we're, you know, like everybody else, we're gearing up for a, a strong Sunday. Going to have some drama skits and whatnot, a Christmas play. And uh, then Christmas Eve, of course, Christmas Eve being on a Sunday. So that kind of makes you go, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have our normal uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service at six o'clock. And that's always a really, really special time. There's, it's always packed to the gills and, and, um, just sets the stage for celebrating Christmas right. Because there at the end, we have everybody hold up uh, either a little candle that we hand out, which is a battery operated, not real fire, because we got so, 
year after year wax all over the chairs and floors. So we decided to switch to a little battery operated LED uh, candle. So they either hold that up or they hold their iPhone up and we kill all the lights. And you have this room full of just lights up in the air, lights in the dark. And I always tell them, this is the way the Lord meant for the church to be. This is what the church is supposed to be. You are the light of the world. And so what does that mean? Well, it means we we shine. And uh, we shine into a very dark, dark world. Because our room, when we kill all the lights, it's totally, completely dark. And then everybody, you know, when they turn the lights on, their little candles or iPhones, it's very uh, moving. It really is. And it gives you a good illustration of what the church should be. We're to shine into the dark. We're to speak his truth, love people, um, take a stand for him. And as soon as you do that, you're shining. You may not be getting a great reaction from people. You may even be experiencing hostility from people because darkness hates the light. But nevertheless, if you're shining, that's what God intended for his people to do. So looking forward to that Sunday uh, evenings at six o'clock. And then um, Sunday morning, we're having one service only 11 o'clock. We usually have two. We're having one. Uh, so 11 in the morning, six at night, six in the evening, uh, um, Sunday night. And then there's Christmas, Mike and family Amen. and all of that. Great stuff. And there we go. Amen. You know, uh, Again, we're doing the same thing. We have uh, service at 10.30, excuse me, 10 o'clock here, 10.30 on the radio on uh, Christmas Eve morning. And then uh, Christmas Eve night, of course, we have a candlelight service as well. We want to invite everybody to come. I know you'll really be blessed here at the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. You'll really enjoy it as we look at the great things that God has done for us. You know, it's interesting that God stepped out of eternity into time. And he walked with man that he created. Who would ever have thought such a thing? And then the way God wants us to relate with him is not some unknowable God beyond the stars or very impersonal God, but one that wants us to call him Father. Wow, that is real love, everyone. And so I just want to encourage you, be about your daddy's business, great opportunities, and let's go ahead and go to the phones. Chris is on the line from Dallas, Texas. Hi and welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. How may we help? All righty. Well, uh, I was having a discussion with my other half, and uh, she was talking about UFOs. And she was talking about it's on the news, uh, even some of the uh, uh, on, in Congress, uh, they've talked about it. And, you know, it's just in the news and, and what have you. And she was coming out. Well, you know, Chris, uh, you know, uh, there was uh, Elijah taken up into heaven and chariot of fire, what have you. I said, okay, okay. And I said, well, and then I was just saying, well, if you look at it in the beginning, it never said that God God made the heavens and the earth. Right? It, it never said that God made planet Z and then there was aliens in there and so forth. I mean, all he talked about that on the sixth day, he created us. And, and what have you. And I'm just like, I'm baffled. I mean, the Bible is self-explanatory, but as man or as Satan wants to mimic the evil one, I mean, wants to mimic uh, uh, what God did, like with Elijah, and, and trying to do the evil stuff to, to, for us to uh, 
believe in this stuff, you know? And I said, just like mediums and all this stuff, I mean, it's spirits, you know? They know about our lives and what have you, and, and, and you know, and it, they're throwing it back at us, and we just draw in into all this stuff. And I think it's just an evil presence of Satan trying to get more people, even the elect, to believe in this stuff because they're actually seeing it now. The government getting involved, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, what do you, let, let me just ask you, what do you think on that, Jeff? Well, several things. One, you know, these sightings have been happening forevermore. I mean, we as far back as I can remember, people have been talking about UFOs in the 60s. I remember it was a big deal, uh, you know, UFO sightings here and there, people being taken up into alien spacecrafts purportedly and, uh, you know, operated on or, you know, probed or, uh, experimented on and then left back on earth and all of this stuff. But then you step back and you look down at this thing from 30,000 feet. You look at the whole picture. And though there have been all these sightings, sort of like Bigfoot, there's been all these sightings, but there's never been an actual alien uh, captured or spoken to or uh, seen on earth in a way that could be provable. Uh, not a, a picture uh, that would be a, a really good picture like, you know, we might take of somebody today, you know, a, a loved one, you just take a picture of them with the iPhone, you know, a really good, crisp, clean, uh, full color picture, never anything like that. Now, I know lately uh, there have been claims that they had uh, parts of an alien in Washington, uh, in labs that were being uh, investigated and 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 uh, that they were claiming that this was an extraterrestrial being, but we've never heard anything else. Nothing has ever been shown to the public. Uh, nothing has ever been proven. It, it's never amounted to anything. So I'm immediately skeptical. Now, the second thing is Satan is a deceiver. He's a masquerader. He can't create anything. Uh, he can only uh, copy what God has done. Uh and while he can't create, he can appear as things. Uh, for instance, Paul, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Strong word there. Metamorphuo. Uh, it, it's, we get metamorphosis from it. It, it, it. It's telling us that Satan can, can literally morph himself appearance-wise into other things. Uh, in this instance, a, a good angel, an angel of light. But it's only an appearance. It's only a masquerade. It's not real. He can't uh, change himself or transform himself in reality from one being into another. He remains Satan. He's just appearing as something else. So I've always suspected that things like the UFOs, Bigfoot, you know, the whole thing with the Nephilim and, you know, angels coming and copulating with earthly women, to produce half-demon, half-human beings. All this stuff seems to me to be a very powerful distraction from the real thing. Why does Satan appear as an angel of light? Well, it's to distract us from the real thing. It's to get our attention off of the real thing. He, he's, he's a phony. He's a fake. Uh, he's, he, he disguises himself. He puts on masks. Why? So that we will not 
turn our eyes onto the real thing. So I suspect, while I can't prove there's not life on other planets, we don't know. The Bible is utterly silent on that. We're told all about God creating the stars, the moon, the sun, all of the constellations, but we're not told anything about life being on another planet. That said, I I can't definitively say that there's not life on other planets because I haven't been to other planets. But I suspect with the whole UFO thing that it may very well be spiritual because what do they see? They see lights. They see some light in the sky. Well, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. So they see lights in the sky. They see moving lights, moving objects, moving spheres, moving what looks like moving, uh, you know, missiles or jets or, you know, uh, things that pilots see up in the sky. But nevertheless, there's never been an alien produced where we can touch them, look at them, you know, uh, validate them, really. And uh, because Satan does what he does, that's kind of where my suspicions go, Mike. Amen. And, you know, I, I believe that when the rapture comes, the Bible says a strong delusion is set upon the world that they believe a lie. I always notice when Israel is especially at war, there's a lot of UFO sightings. And I don't exactly know why. But I do believe it is very possible that if the rapture comes, that uh, when it comes, that the world is going to have to explain the disappearance of millions of people. Well, what happened to them? Well, if you remember back, they had a movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Now, this is some 20 plus years ago, but it showed the UFOs snatching people away from the earth. And I thought, how convenient And what kind of a lie will be told people and the world must now unite to keep this from happening again? Or the world has purged itself of the undesirables. Speaking of Christians, of course. And the UFOs came and got them and took them away. I don't know what lie is going to be used. But I know it's no problem for the American news media and the media at large to lie to Americans. I mean, or the whole world for that matter. They're, they're really polished at it, and they've had 100 years or so of, of doing it. Um, these are some of the great problems that we, that we, uh, that we see. So I, I believe the UFO in particular, not Bigfoot and this other stuff, but I'm saying the UFOs in particular. If the Bible says that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light, what's to cause him from not transforming himself into something else? Enough to deceive people. Enough to start rumors. Enough to start the great lie that will be sent upon the earth. So I, I believe that there, this is demonically inspired. I believe that the idea of intergalactic travel personally is impossible. We don't find life anywhere in the entire universe except on this planet. And all of their... Radio telescopes and all of their investigation of life on other planets haven't even found a microscopic bug. Nothing. It seems to be unique to this planet. And I believe that because of that, I believe that the prince of the power of the air, the Bible calls Lucifer, Satan. 
uh, is able to do things. And of course, the idea, and as you said, Jeff, was is to be a distraction from what's really going on. I hope that helps. Thank you, guys. I, th- I was thinking the same thing. So, uh, thanks. Thanks so much. Well, God bless you. Stay on the line, Chris. Send you out the movie Jesus, based on the book of Luke, a couple of other books and DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Joe, California. I welcome. Hey, pastors. I have a quick question for you. And then uh, after my question, I kind of need some prayer as well. Sure. My question is, is do, well, the Catholics believe like you have to go to a priest or, you know, to talk to God, like a middleman. Well, do I have to go to a pastor in order to be saved, or can I just ask God into my heart and be saved by myself? Well, first of all, have you asked the Lord in your, your heart to be saved? Um, I believe I do it every morning, yes. Okay. Well, uh, no. You, 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 it, the Bible says those that call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Now, if that's at the end of a sermon, or if that's just you out in the wilderness and God supernaturally moves on you and you realize you're a sinner and you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, you'll be saved. Uh, it is not that we go through a man. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. So the idea of a priest, pope, bishop, uh, pastor, anybody else uh, getting in between you and God in your conversion process of asking Christ into your life, and it's immediate, I believe that that simply is that covenant that you make with God and God makes with you at that moment. No outside individuals are required. Your thoughts? Yeah, you quoted the verse, Mike. There's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He is, that's why he came. Uh, He takes your hand and he takes God's hand and he joins them in reconciliation. And when we pray, we go straight to him. We don't go through Mary. We don't go through a priest. We don't have to go and confess our sins to a priest. Uh, none of that. You just go straight to him. When I got saved, it was in jail. And uh, I just went straight to Jesus. Now, I had somebody preach the gospel to me. Uh, but when I really went to the Lord, it was between me and him. And then you think about the apostle Paul. None of the apostles were there when he got saved. A blinding light from heaven surrounded him, and a voice from heaven spoke to him. And on the spot, he was saved with just between him and Jesus. It's really good news. The Catholic Church has made a lot of this stuff up, that you know, you've got to go into that little booth and confess all of your nasty stuff to a priest, and he absolves you and all of that. But the Bible says no such thing, that if we confess our sins to him, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins on the spot, right then and there, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And I thank God for that, because I talk to the Lord throughout the day. I pray to him throughout the day, and probably at least once a day, ask forgiveness for something, and I just go straight to him, and very thankful I don't have to call a priest and say, hey, I messed up today. Have you got a minute for me to come and meet you at the booth? No, don't have to do that. It's between me and Jesus. He's the mediator. So, I hope that answers it for you. Morning. You know, I mean, I pray every morning before I go to work that God watches over me and my family and that he blesses me with knowledge and wisdom. And then I thank God for what he has done for me and my family every day and ask him to come into my heart. 
So basically, like, if I lay down and go to sleep tonight and die, and I've asked God for his forgiveness, am I saved? The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I believe if we're honest, now, again, um, we all mess up. We all sin, come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. If I'm living and practicing a lifestyle, the Bible says it's contrary to what God says, as we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says people that uh, are in these lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of God. So part of becoming a Christian is asking for forgiveness, but it's also repenting. And that means turning and walking 180 degrees from the path of darkness that we've been on and turning around and walking towards the light. So I can't say, Lord, you know, I'm really sorry. I I keep stealing bicycles. Man, there's another one. Oh, I got to take that one too. And, uh, you know, forgive me, God. I I stole another bike. You know, I've got, you know, 2,500 of them. Uh, But I I just can't pass up a a bike that I can steal. Uh, I, I don't think you're born again. I think there's something really wrong there. I think that it, it, that we have to ask God to help us. Now, you might say, but Mike, you don't understand. I love stealing bicycles. Well, then we need to ask God to change our heart in the way we think about stealing bicycles or whatever sin it may be in your life that is causing you to repetitively stumble. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, Joe, I would... You know, you've said that every morning you repent and you, you turn to Christ. I'd, I'd really like to see you get to the place where um, you're securing your salvation. Yes. And now, when you talk about repenting, you, you know, like, Lord, forgive me today of all my sins and help me and my family as I go out the door to start my day, That's that's great. But the Scripture wants us to the place where we may know that we have eternal life. That's what John said, that you may know that you have eternal life. So how are you saved? Well, you, you, you it's not just a matter of believing in him as in, uh, you know, he, he was a historical figure. I really believe he was there. Jesus walked the earth. Oh, yeah, I believe in the historical Jesus. That's not That's not saving faith. It is when you place your faith in him as your Savior and your Lord, and as the one who died for you on the cross to wash your sins away, and you invite him into your heart to lead you and guide you from that moment forward. It, you're, it's placing your faith in the, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Once you do that, then the Bible says, you have been. You, if any man be in Christ, all right, as soon as you do that, you're in Christ. And he's a new new creation. If any man be in Christ, any woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, all has become new. So at that very moment, a a mighty, uh, unprecedented, unequaled miracle. There's no greater miracle than the miracle of when Christ comes to live in your heart by way of the Holy Spirit, and your nature is changed. You receive a born-again nature. That's the greatest miracle available to mankind greater than jumping out of a wheelchair, greater than blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening. No, no. None of those can touch the miracle of salvation. So, Joe, if you've done that, if you've placed your faith in Christ, then I want to encourage you to every morning switch things up a little bit. Instead of saying, Lord, forgive me, as if 
you're needing to be saved again or to be sure of your salvation, just commit that day to him and look at it this way. Lord, I do this a lot. I say, Lord, forgive me of every thought, every word, every action, and every attitude that may have grieved the Holy Spirit. That's the only ways you can sin, those four. I hope that helps. I say that. Yeah. And then the Lord will forgive you. And uh, when he forgives you and, you know, you commit your day to him then. And that, to me, is where the Lord wants you to land. I hope that answers it for you. That does. Um, just Could you guys just pray for me, please, and pray for my family? Okay, Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, you know what we need before we even ask. And I pray for Joe and his family that you would become so real in their life that he would understand that it's a daily walk with you and that you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Not only are you Lord and Savior, but Lord, also a friend. And I pray for him, his family, that revelation, God, of your presence in their life. And Lord, for all those listening as well, it's saying, yes, this is what I need as well. Lord, that you would extend your hand. Lord, that you'd bless him, give him a good Christmas. And Lord, we thank you for all your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Joe, our, our heart players are with you. Stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. Share them with your friends. Merry Christmas to you. Okay? Christmas to you guys, and thank you. And just by the way, you can't have Christmas without Christ. Amen. That's he's right. The, he's the reason for the season. Let's go to Deborah, Las Vegas. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. How may we help? Well, let me just make a long story short. And I know frequently when you hear that, it turns into a long story. But honestly, I will say I was raised in a Christian home. Last year, I was delivered from a many years of drug addiction. God, Jesus, delivered me from that. And I'm I'm so happy. And Praise God. Uh, Amen. It's, yeah, it's been a great year. It's been a great year. Um, anyway, I, I'll spare you details. Um, but moving forward... I really would like to ask the listening family and you guys to agree with me in prayer for the salvation of my two adults. I have four adult children. Two of them are saved. Two of them are not. And my husband, who claims to be a hard agnostic from being raised Catholic, it would be such a great testimony. Amen. It would be for, uh, for all of them to... Uh... Come to a yeah. yeah, come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Now, very quickly, Deborah, and for everybody listening, we're coming up on a break. We don't want anyone to go away. And we're gonna have a whole lot more of every man and answer coming up following these important messages. We'll be right back. It all came down to the ultrasound. And I saw this little lima bean looking thing with a halo. When this mom came to a preborn center, a baby wasn't really in her plans. And I got to hear the heartbeat and I got chills. In that moment, I just felt God's arms come around me and hug me and tell me that it was going to be okay. After hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her baby on ultrasound, this mom's plans changed. My choice to become a mom, hear those little footsteps running down the hallway every morning is all because I had an ultrasound.
ultrasound, it saved my life and hers. When an expected mother meets her baby on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to choose life. Preborn's network of clinics are the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country and have rescued over 270,000 babies. To learn how you can rescue a baby's life, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 30th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second, but call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline is December 30th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Welcome back to Every Man and Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And, you know, when we went to the break, we were speaking with Deborah and, um, you know, really sharing about unsaved loved ones is such a weight on all of our hearts. You know, Jeff, I don't think there's anything that weights us down more because we realize that unless they get right with God, they're they're facing eternal separation not only from God, but to be in torment forever. Now, I had somebody call one time and said, well, how could I ever enjoy heaven? Knowing that my parents, my brother, sister, maybe wife or husband, is in hell burning forever. And I think that's a very, very real feeling that we could have. However, the answer I believe to that is found in Revelation when we find these cataclysmic judgments breaking out on the ungodly people on the earth and the angels saying, true and righteous are your judgments. I think when we are in heaven and we see from God's perspective the opportunities that people had to get their life straightened out with God, to understand that we have even a greater family in heaven being married to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, that though we will miss them, and yes, that should be motivation for all of us to share the gospel with our loved ones and friends, and especially at this Christmas season, I believe that we too someday, concerning those that missed it, I think we will say, just as the angels, true and righteous are your judgments. I think we'll be able to see the opportunity that they had to receive Christ, that they rejected Jesus. And by rejecting Jesus, our Lord and Savior overrides that, that um, you might say, temporary love we may have. Uh, you, you see, sometimes families are forever. Well, not really. 
that is not in the Bible. That is made up. I, I see that every once in a while on a bumper sticker or on a slogan on a house. Families are forever. No, they're not. Uh, that's not true. What is eternal is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that there, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I didn't come to big peace. He says, "He says I will set father against, uh, against mother, brother against sister. And there in Luke, he goes through that Jesus didn't come to make peace. He came to make a dividing line, not war, but a dividing line of those that truly will seek him and those that will reject him. So, Deborah, when you're saying about your family and you're going to uh, want your two children, your husband, Jeff, your thoughts. Yeah, and also the book of Revelation is very clear um, that God's going to wipe away every tear. There will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering of any kind, no more anguish of guilt, no more remorse, no more regret. Emotional pain, physical pain, all pain will be gone. So that leads me to believe that in God's own way, and I'm sure that God, as always, Abraham, I like quoting this because Abraham asked God a rhetorical question, uh, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? It was rhetorical, meaning, yes, of course, the judge of the earth is always going to do right. So whatever we're experiencing in heaven, I personally believe either we won't have in our minds that our former loved ones are uh, forever lost in eternity and uh, suffering in eternity, or somehow, some way, God will make it where we don't suffer from it. So either way, there will not be painful awareness in heaven of loved ones who have been lost. It just won't be there. And I'm so thankful for that. I hope that helps. It does. Um, so, um, Pastor Jeff there um, shared a good word about critical mass not too long ago. And um, so I know that salvation is the key to the rest of your life. And so I just would hope that we could agree, and we know it's within God's will that everybody should come to a saving knowledge of. Yeah, I think, Deborah, you're you're talking about when I spoke on, I was speaking on prayer. And how correct, God, correct, correct. yes, repeatedly encourages us, Jesus especially, to pray and keep on praying and never quit, never give up. Seek and keep on seeking, ask and keep on asking, and so on and so forth. So, and then it, it, it seems that it reaches critical mass. And I remember bringing that message. I should, you should know that um, um, my family, I was the first one to be saved in my family. I was the black sheep of the family. Everybody was totally shocked when I was saved. And I began praying for my family. My, it took 20 plus years from my mother to be saved. But one night I was preaching, long story short, I was preaching in a large church. I gave the invitation for souls to be saved. And I looked down and there's my mother. I didn't even know she was there. Tears streaming down her face and she gave her heart to Christ. And that was the culmination of 20 plus years of prayer. So um, I want to encourage you, don't give up. 
I know it's discouraging. Sometimes the more you pray, it seems the worse they get. And that may be due to warfare over their life because you're praying. But don't look at them. Look at the Lord. Look at his promises and stay with it because sometimes prayers uh, go into the spiritual world and it takes a very long time for them to come to fruition. I even believe, and Mike, you, you probably uh, stand on this as well, that even after we're gone, prayers that we prayed can be answered. So I encourage you to stay with it, Deborah, and don't give up. So I hope that helps. Thank you. Uh, it does. It does. I certainly will continue to do that. And um, the best way I know so far to stay in the back seat of the ride of my life with my mouth shut is to pray to the driver, and that's Jesus. He's my driver. He's not my co-pilot. But I just wanted to say that. I just I pray that all the time. I'm like, God, keep me back seat with my mouth shut unless I'm supposed to say something. And just you say it through me, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's just where I want to be and praise God. Merry Christmas to you guys. And um, thank you for taking my call. Deborah, same to you. Let's pray. Father, we just lift up her two kids and her husband that you would bind Satan from their minds, their thoughts, that they would see the good deal that you offer them of eternal life, their sins forgiven, a reason to live for. We just ask you now that you would give her the right words to say to them in Jesus name. Amen. Deborah, stay the line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. Merry Christmas to you. And let's go to William, Powell, Tennessee. Hi, welcome. Hello. How may we help? Yeah. This is William. Hi, William. Um, yes. Did you remember my question? No. Can you tell me what it is? Okay. The ball guy. There's a bald guy, and these these Elijah. children. There's only children. I don't even think they're. I don't even know why they should be even be, be labeled as evil for calling somebody bald headed. But anyways, they called this man a bald headed, and God cursed them, and and had a bear to kill him for just for calling a man bald headed. I mean, if there's any, I would love to have an explanation because that kind of turning me away from Bible the Bible period. If God would kill somebody Oh, over. but wait a minute, William. Context is everything. <laughs> they were making fun of Elijah. They were saying, go up, bald head. Go up, bald head. They were making fun of him because Elijah was taking up in a whirlwind like a fiery chariot. And these young punks come out and they started ridiculing the man of God. Well, it's interesting to me that you don't do that. In fact, all the way through the Bible, you thumb your nose at God or God's servants, bad things happen to you eventually. And so we can't say, oh, God's not fair. In fact, we all deserve death if you really want to be honest. But these guys were no doubt poking not only fun at him, but we don't know what else they were doing. They could have been poking him with sticks. We don't know what all was going on. It says that that's what they were doing. But the whole point there, if you read the context, is that they were making fun of him, ridiculing him in Elijah, who was known throughout all of Israel as this great person of God. And Elijah, uh, Elijah uh, being this 
national recognized man of God, Elisha now walking in his footsteps and they're making fun of him. So really they were making fun of God. And and um, we kind of see that today a lot. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, it's real important here. The, the Hebrew word for, that the King James translates into little children can mean everywhere from the age of 7 to 20. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And another thing to keep in mind is children uh, younger than these were made kings in the days of the Old Testament. Uh, they assumed the throne at an extremely young age. Uh, but the the idea here, I believe, is you, you got to take the Hebrew word uh, very carefully, look at it carefully, and understand that it, young children, in my opinion, is not a great translation. It should say at least youths. Youths would be a better translation because, again, it can mean anywhere from around 7 to 20. And then finally, like I said uh, to the last caller, uh, Abraham said to the Lord, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? All right? God is always going to do right. There is, God will never do something wrong or unfair or unjust. And we have to assume then that these youths were very well aware of the outrage and the wickedness of their conduct. They they knew what they were doing was wrong, or God would not have judged them. God did not bring this judgment down on truly innocent uh, children. No way. These were probably, I'm going to guess, teenagers at least, somewhere in their teens. They knew they were doing wrong. They were mocking a man of God. They knew that he was uh, respected and esteemed. And they're truly uh, stepping into a very dangerous arena. Uh, This was beyond disrespect. This was actually uh, offending God because Elisha was God's man for the hour. That was a very different time period. Elisha totally dominated that era, uh, the era where he was a prophet. He performed 13 great miracles while alive. Uh, the 14th miracle that he had asked God for happened after he had died. Uh, he was he was God's man for that hour, and they brought a railing accusation and mockery against him, and God rightly judged them. Uh, we have to know that. These, again, probably teenagers. So that's where I would land on this, Mike. Amen. And I, I hope that that answers it for you, because, you know, the Bible says his mercy endures forever, speaking of God. But there is a time when God's mercy turns into judgment. And like today, we have people thumbing their nose at God. God is dead. Oh, and they thumb their nose. Oh, but God's mercy. And because God is merciful, they think, well, if there was a God, he'd do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, God is going to do something. It's called the tribulation. It's right around the corner where two-thirds of the world's population dies. You see, you can do this for so long, and then the day of judgment comes. And William, I think that's where the great problem is in the world today. Because people are riding on God's mercy, believing that God doesn't care, God and his hope that they would repent and they would change their ways. Oh, well, God doesn't care. He doesn't exist. Oh, God does care. And he's going, and he does exist, and he's going to bring about a judgment. Eternity is a long time. 
Somebody said one time, it's like taking a string, tying it on your finger, and then going out to the farthest known galaxy that is out there, and then pulling an eyelash out and laying it on that string. And there you would put an eyelash on every one back to back that would only be the beginning of eternity. Eternity is a long time. And so, again, I hope that helps. But these were probably um, um, very much um, teenagers, probably brats, and um, thinking they can get away with it. And so I hope that helps. It, it, it helps. It's just people have made fun of me when I was in church before, went to church before, and, and, mm-hmm. and I really wouldn't want them to die, you know. But no, I and I agree with you, William. I, I don't think we do either because we want because there by the grace of God go I. You know, I, I mean I'm I'm honest. I I I I, I realize that it, it it's very possible to be cynical uh to people who believe in God. But the point is it still comes back to a couple things. And the Bible says God has written eternity on men's heart. So even people outside of Christian faith Everybody, whether you go back to the pharaohs, you go back to these other cultures down through the history of ages, they know there's something beyond this life. They all do. Everybody does. I mean, you get into the occult, you get into whatever. Yeah, they all know there's something beyond this life. Eternity is written on men's heart. So what are we doing then with our lives today? Wouldn't that be worth some time to really investigate it? To find out what the Bible says, the Bible says we're all sinners. Um, golly, have you read the newspaper lately to see that that's not the case? And what does the Bible say? Where we're all headed. See, only the Bible tells us what's in the future. The Bible tells us we're headed for a one-world order, a one-world government. Uh, we're headed for... for um, a man to govern over all this called the Antichrist? You're not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark on your hand or on your forehead? Hey, I see that being instituted, almost being built into our mentality and into our infrastructure right now. So therefore, I have to conclude the Bible is true. And this is why I believe that all the other religious books in the world do not have prophecy in it because they're quickly identified as a fraud. But the Bible, because one-third of the Bible is prophecy, and two-thirds of that prophecy have already come true, there's a remaining third that's going to be on the world. And those that reject God, those that thumb their nose at God, those that say, go up, bald head, well, they're going to find something a lot different than God's mercy. The Bible tells us that seven-year period of time is a time of God's wrath upon the earth. So we want to be very careful, William, in understanding that people take their their freedom sometimes in a way that is not good. And I believe this is why the Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation. William, I hope that helps. Can I ask you just one question before we get out here? Sure. Um, out of all the stuff I did in my past, and my mom might even have throat cancer, I don't even want to wake up and, and live tomorrow. But 
But of all the things I've done in my past, after reading that, it really feels like I have no chance because because I've done horrible things in my past that that was much more worse than calling somebody bald headed. Oh, and, yes. and that's a big standard and, 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 and I really don't want to live right now, sir. And Hey William, just, let me ask you this question. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come in your life? Yes, I have. He's in my I, I thought he was in my life. Well he and, is. He is. Something to remember when you say, Well, I've done terrible things. Listen, we all have. We're all sinners saved by grace. And that is why we live. Paul says in the Bible, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. That's what you have to remember. It isn't about us anymore. It's about what Jesus Christ did for us. And William, I would just encourage you to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ. I I would just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. And from this day forward, whatever time I've got left on this earth, I want to live for you. I want to be about your kingdom. And I want you to open and close the doors in my life to bless people around me. And William, you'll be surprised what God will do in your life. Jeff, any last thoughts? No, I think that about settles. And William, we'll pray for you. You sure don't want to uh, do anything like consider taking your life. Uh, that's never, ever, ever Amen. a solution. Yeah, and so um, our, our prayers are with you, William. And, uh, you know, on a show like this, we can't really sit down and counsel you like you may need. I, I would encourage you to look for somebody to talk to and share these thoughts with. And uh, don't let these thoughts run rampant in your mind. Uh, they need to be they need to be nipped in the bud and uh, better thoughts replacing them. So I would really encourage you to do that, William. Yeah, the enemy has been working on you, William, to try to find fault with the Bible, to dismiss these these emotions that you have. And I just want you to know everything you've ever done, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, are forgiven. That's what his word says. And so understanding that, you've got a great future and to be about your father's business right now. Not tomorrow, not a week from now, not a New Year's resolution. Right now, this minute. Can I pray for you? Yes, sir. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you come upon William. I thank you, God, for his honesty. And I want you, Lord, to take his heart and show him how much you love him, how much he's been forgiven, how much you, his life means to you on this, on this earth. And Lord, I pray you open the doors for you to use him in a great and mighty way. Lord, I, I just pray you take your big bucket of golden love and you just pour it all over him and let him know his sins are forgiven and that you're his child. And from now on, Lord, he calls you daddy. He calls you father. And Lord, I pray you just do something brand new in his life right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. William, I want you to enjoy your new life. Thank you. God loves you so much. William, I want to send you a little book called Time to Grow. It's going to help you a lot. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, I'll I'll have the boys, girls send you one. And uh, a couple of DVDs, if you have a DVD player, 
the life of Jesus, and you're going to have a whole new life now. Just remember, God's serious about sin, but Jesus forgave our sins. And if something bothers you in particular, something you did a long time ago, Lord, I'm sorry I stole that candy bar. Lord, I'm sorry I, I did this or did that. You specifically ask Jesus by name of that sin to forgive you. The Bible says he will. John says, First John says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful, just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the good news of the gospel. You got so much, so much, William, at this time of Christmas to be thankful for. And I just want God to just bless you and fill you with his Holy Spirit, empower you in a way you've never known before in Jesus' name. Stay in line, William. We'll get some things out to you, okay? Yes, sir. Hey, we're here for you. Whenever you need me, you call me, okay? You stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Let's go to David in Hawaii. Hello. Aloha. Hi, pastors. You guys, I just so appreciate you taking my call. I can't tell you how much just listening to this program brings me to tears and makes me go deep into the Word of God. And, and you guys, is really an inspiration. The political comments you make, I wish I could take to every household across this nation. i got a question I'd like to share with you. Uh, it's hard to get my composure together after that last conversation. Oh, it was, I know, I know. And uh, Josephus. I hear it quoted very often. I don't know if that's in the Apocrypha or where they're coming up with that book, because uh, it's not in my Bible. If you could comment on that, I'd really appreciate it. And God bless you. I just thank you so much for this program. Well, David, I'm so glad you called. And, and uh, Josephus was a historian that wrote about many things. It's not the Apocrypha at all. It's not found in the Apocrypha. This is a book outside of the Bible, in which Josephus, as a historian, writes about the life of Christ and other events and actually fortifies everything that the Bible says. Your thoughts? Yeah, he was a a Roman. He was a Jewish historian. Uh, I've got his book, or or I've got uh, the Jewish War and uh, just the the writings of Josephus in a really large volume. Uh, He's valuable. Of course, no, he's not in the Apocrypha. He's not in that arena at all. He never claimed to be uh, um, scripture or anything like that. He's just a historian. Um, matter of fact, he at one time was in the military and fought against Rome. And then later he defected and became a part of Rome. But Josephus, for instance, is really valuable. If you want to know what happened in the um, defeat of Jerusalem in 70 AD, when uh, the Romans broke through brought it down, burned the temple. Josephus gives us a blow-by-blow, not just of that event, but of of the years leading up to it, and it's very valuable. So in that way, he is a very valuable historian, Mike. Yes, and and fortifies what Jesus said when he was on his way to be crucified. He said, don't weep for me, weep for your children. Exactly what Josephus records for us. CLA will get you taken care of. Frederick the rest calls back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Thanks, Jeff, for being on. God bless y'all. Good night. Receive a copy of today's program. Please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho 83303. That toll free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 